0: hello and welcome to the first episode of the hear the voice podcast my name's nick rutley and today i'm your host speaking with bailey fritz who represents the melbourne football club and he shares his story and journey on becoming a mature age recruit and the challenges highs and lows of that it's a great listen in regards to learnings for coaches athletes and mentors in any chosen field and i really hope you enjoy it spoiler alert The audio's a little off, we are in isolation, and just had to do the best with what we had. But we look to improve that as these podcasts go on. Nonetheless, the content's great, and Bailey's story is really worth a listen. Hope you enjoy it. Ellie, Fritz, welcome to Hear the Voice podcast, mate.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Not a problem. First time guest, the first of uh, of any guests that we've had on the podcast, so it's exciting times. Where do we find you?
1: Uh, just out, out at home at the moment uh, in Diamond Creek, so a good part of the world. And, uh, yeah, pretty low key at the moment, obviously with the situation we're in. But um, yeah, a bit of home time, I guess. Not too bad. Bit of gym. Uh, a bit of running, but yeah,
0: it's good. Well, I'm sure for those that are tuning in, they understand that you are a Melbourne football player. In isolation, how is it treating you? What are you being given to do? What are the the programs that that look like for an isolated AFL football player at the moment?
1: Yeah, uh, so pretty much we've got three sessions to do a week. So uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we've got some running. Um, Some of them are big days, some of them are a little bit lighter. I've also got some weights, so I've set up a little weights room at home, which is not too bad. I'm um, trying to get my girlfriend to help me out a little bit there, but she's, uh, yeah, she's get fo- uh, slowly finding the ropes. Which <laughs> um, but um, yeah, other than that, um, yeah, a bit of, bit of footy stuff, which I've done with my brother a little bit, but um, yeah, other than that, uh, I'm just trying to stay at home and hopefully this virus can clear so we can get back to play some footy. 100%.
0: 100%. And I am aware there's some animals in the home. How many dogs and cats are there living out at Eltham with you at the moment?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we've got, well, I had two dogs when I first met uh, Nat, which is my girlfriend, um, and she had three, so um, she, so there's probably five living here, majority of the time, every now and then we'll drop a few off to our mum to give us a breather, but um, yeah, and then just yesterday, actually, I got a little kitten, so, um, yeah, it's slowly becoming a zoo out at Diamond Creek, but, um, nah, it's good fun, especially in the isolation, it keeps gives you something to do. Try and teach the dogs some manners, and, um, yeah.
0: That would be difficult to do, because you don't have many manners yourself, do you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I'm not bad at teaching. Uh, I've got two border collies, so, a father-son, actually, so there's three generations in the house here, so, nah, it's good, good fun.
0: Well, I hope for your sake that isolation stops soon because it's going uh, it's going in all sorts of directions for you at the moment. Um, but it's good it's good to uh, it's good to talk like this and have a bit of a laugh and just be ourselves because at the moment with um, what we're going through, staying connected is really important and just talking to people and seeing what they're doing and seeing how they are is really cool. So that's I guess the reason behind the podcast and why it started. Um, so to get to it, I think your story. Is a really really good one. I think um, the the journey that you you went on to get to be drafted as a mature age and the challenges that you went through. Um, I want to start with your upbringing though and growing up. So take us back there. Where did you where did you grow up and and start playing footy?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in uh, Chernside for the first sort of seven years, eight years of my life, I think, and then um, yeah moved to Coldstream where. Um, I played all my footy and cricket. Um, Dad sort of, yeah, he's a little bit of a club legend out at Coldstream. Um, so yeah, he played, I think he's got the game's record down there and um, yeah, so pretty much lived and breathed footy and cricket down there with Dad um, and my brother, Darcy, um, until sort of, yeah, when I was 17. And then yeah, when I was 17, I um, went down the Casey. Funnily enough, but it was you that sort of was behind that. Um, but yeah, upbringing, just in Coldstream, a couple of dogs, mum, dad, my brother Darcy. Um, yeah, so it was pretty sporty sort of upbringing, but yeah, I loved it. And um, yeah, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for my parents and obviously my brother as well.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's really good. So I assume some pretty lengthy battles in the backyard, cricket, basketball, and, and being connected to the footy club. Uh, I know Coldstream pretty well. It's sort of like the whole town revolves around that football ground, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, no, if you ever go out to Coldstream and you you go into the estate, the the footy oval's in the middle and there's houses all the way around it. Um, Definitely with all the um, people around there on school holidays, we had some pretty um, full-on cricket games out in the centre of the oval on school holidays. We'd do the ring around me and uh, one of my mates, Jared Healy. Um, We'd we'd sit at um, his bench and sort of throw all the phone numbers out um, on a bit of paper and we'd ring up, all right, we've got a game tomorrow at 1 o'clock, who's in, like, test match. Or if it was a footy match, or going for a bike ride, um, we're always outside. Um, yeah, it was it was great
0: fun. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And you're not that old. How old are you at the present time?
1: Um, 23.
0: 23. So we're only talking maybe 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's good. Even less. <laughs> yeah, even less. It's awesome. But you do you do acquire a skill set when you're out there playing different sports and and being out in the streets and out in the backyards, don't you?
1: Yeah, definitely, you um, you learn a lot about other people and obviously, as you say, being connected and probably one of the, the big things that we talk about at, at Melbourne is being connected and um, knowing each other on a deeper level and I, get, I think that we got that um, hanging out together so much, like just in the culture and community.
0: Yeah, it's cool, it's cool. We'll get to that, we definitely will, but I think... You know, especially for mature age recruits or even young players that may have missed a draft or even in the current climate. Like, I really feel for these kids, uh, male and female, um, and we're in Melbourne, so Victoria with NAB League, and at the moment, they don't have, I guess, any real direction on whether they're going to be playing or not, which is going to affect their draft years if they're in their draft years. So, I think your story can really, I guess, you know, inspire some youth, especially you not going through the traditional pathways, so I want to get on to that. You went to our High School, um, decided not to finish and left at year, what, 10? Yeah, year 10, yeah. Yeah, to take up a Sparky Apprenticeship, yeah?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so that would have made you, what, 15, 16? 16, yeah. 16 into the workforce and playing local footy at Coldstream, and at that time, you hadn't hit any um, like interleague or, or representative teams at that present time, had you?
1: Nah, so um, pretty much, I had I played in under thirteens interleague or under 14's interleague just in the in the AFL, and then after that, sort of a few guys around me went down to Eastern Rangers and whatnot, um, and then yeah, I got to say sixteen, I left school. Um, all, all my mates had s- went to Ludo because we couldn't get a, uh, which was a local footy club nearby, um, but we couldn't get an under 17's so I decided to um, just. Go and try play senior footy. I think I was yeah sixteen at the time, and yeah, I was lucky enough to play sort of in between the um, under nineteens and the the seniors for the next two years, and then yeah, sort of being in the workforce and then obviously playing senior footy as well. It sort of made me grow up pretty quickly, and um, I reckon if it wasn't for that, if I had just went and played, um, I guess junior under 17s footy, I don't know if I'd be where I am today. Um, I think that really fast track to my development and whether that's for everyone I'm not sure but um, I definitely think that it was the right path for me and um, yeah although it took a little bit longer to get to where I wanted to get to um, yeah I wouldn't change my story
0: no 100% 100% so let's go back so a working week for a 17 year old Bailey Fritz 18 year old Bailey Fritz what did that look like
1: yeah, I guess I could run you through a little bit of a week quickly. Um, so yeah, on a Monday, I would obviously, well, if it was pre-season or in-season, we were there three times a week. So we'll just run through a Monday in-season. Monday would have, I'd wake up at, say, 5.30am, um, you know, drive to work, which at that time I think was in uh, Reservoir. And then I'd, um, yeah, work, work there as a sparky all day and then um, go home or not even go home sometimes, I'd I'd have to pack my gear, because I'd have to go straight to Casey, Or at times when I was really tired during the season, just so I could really um, get everything out of myself. My mum and dad would drive me, and I could sleep in the car on the way to Casey out at Cranbourne, which is about an hour drive. Um, And then yeah, be there till sort of 8.30, and then drive home and then wake up and do it all again on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Tuesday, Thursday in season then back up and play on the weekend but um, yeah I sort of my first couple of years at Casey uh, were injury riddled I had a stress fracture in my back uh, and then saw my meniscus in rehab which we can talk about if you want but um, yeah so it wasn't really until my third year at Casey that I got some continuity and played some games but um, obviously going down there for two years virtually to play only probably 10 games um, just doing rehab um, it definitely took its toll and um, wondered if it was all going to be worth it, but um, yeah. Luckily enough, it was, and um, yeah. Thankful for obviously mum and dad for keeping driving me down there, a lot of fuel and money, but um, I'm sure they're pretty proud of me now, so it's good.
0: Hundred percent, hundred percent. I think for the young people listening in, though, you, you've skipped a little bit because there's still that portion of senior footy that you were playing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you mentioned so you'd play a under eighteen or nineteen game in the morning and then hang around for that reserve game and then play ones. Is that right?
1: Yeah. We <laughs> yeah, it on a few occasions until we realised that um, the seniors weren't going to make finals. So I thought I had to, if you, didn't, if you played 19s and seniors, it didn't count as a 19s game. So I had to um, just pull out of a few senior games. I think I had to qualify, play six games, and then just stand-alone 19 games. So I had to do that, which was a bit annoying because when you're young, you just want to Obviously, I'm still young now, but I was 17. I just wanted to play as much footy as I could and, um, like, playing those two games, although it seemed a lot, it was just second nature to Probably, there was about two or three of us that did it. Um, so,
0: yeah, it was good fun. Yeah. yeah. So, in and around that time, I remember, so I was at Casey myself and getting some phone calls from, from some people about this kid that was playing some really good footy but wasn't getting opportunities elsewhere. And at that time at Casey, we still had Development League. I mean, Development League was still a thing then. Um, and there were a lot of injuries, so we were able to get you down to train, but you actually weren't old enough to be on a VFL list, and then you hurt your ankle, I think, playing in one of those games that you played on the Saturday. So, but you were introduced to Casey. I remember. <laughs> it's fascinating listening to you talk now because we would drive from the Yarra Valley or Coldstream to Casey Fields, which is just over an hour, and you wouldn't talk. <laughs> yeah, you I know, and I love talking. And I was just like, God, is, what's wrong with this kid? <laughs> um, I'm
1: definitely, um, relatively shy, but yeah, you've obviously brought out a little bit of which is good. Yeah,
0: very good, very good. So, I mean, what I'm getting to for you, it wasn't an easy, easy transition. You had to, um, you had to sort of find your way, I guess, in a a not-so-normal pathway for you, your run-of-the-mill 18-year-old boy or girl that just goes through the Eastern Ranges or Deenong Stingrays and etc. So you did have to really go go the hard way, even playing multiple games on the weekends. So you get to Casey, you get through the initial introductions, and then the year after, I think, is when you get a proper pre-season. Yep. Um, what did that look like for you? Yeah, so it was actually...
1: Yeah, so I trained at the, ba- at the back end of that year. That I was going to be playing um, a couple of games, or cause it, yeah, as you said, you've had a fair few injuries. So um, then, obviously, I found out I couldn't um, couldn't play. So I think Jack Kent at the time, which was the football manager, he um, he said I can keep training, but then the yeah, I hurt my ankle a little bit, so I sort of didn't keep training. But then he said you've definitely got an a, a, an invite to the season next year, and um, he goes. Just of weight on because I was probably only about oh, 72 73 kilo. Then I reckon now I'm sort of about 10 kilo more than that. But um so I come back in pre-season, I'd, I'd carpool down. Well obviously I I'd, hadn't wasn't even uh, 18 at the time actually when I first got to Casey, so I'd I'd carpool down um, with a few boys from Warrioric up in the Arrow Valley um down for pre season training. Um so mum would drive me up to there and then pick house after it so they didn't have to drive me home i think they drove me, drive me home a couple of times but um, yeah so we'd, we'd do that and then yeah when i went down there it was pretty daunting i guess um didn't really know what to expect just sort of try to do what you do whenever you start something you just try to make the best impression i could and work as hard as i could and do everything that they set out for us to do and more just to try and i guess make the list um, and then just before christmas that year. I had a call. I was at home with dad. I think at the time on um, after work, and yeah, Jack called. Jack Enzi called me. He said, "You've made the list." Um, yeah, I remember. I remember the time. Like dad, mum, ev- everyone was so excited. Like I'd made a VFL list, and yeah, didn't know what was in store with that. But um, just to make the list, I thought was a massive thing. And um, yeah, so. Just tried to work really hard but yeah, unfortunately with the back, I had stress fractures in my L3 which is like the lower back um, after about round 6 I think. I had a bit of back pain for a fair while there. Um, And then yeah, that sort of put me out until about 15 months later. So it wasn't until about round 17 or 16 the following year before I played again because when I was in rehab I was meant to come back early that next year. but. I uh, my meniscus in rehab, which was a bit unfortunate and unlucky, but it was all part of the story now. So um, got back at the end of that year and then just wanted to sort of come back in my draft year, which, which ended up being my draft year, um, and trying to play a full year. And lucky was enough to play in, I think, every VFL game bar one or two, which I got rested in. Um, but, yeah, other than that, um, yeah, that's about it.
0: That's... uh that's a really quick progression from being you know the the kid that's playing under 18 19 footy in the morning and then senior footy and then all of a sudden you know probably less than 12 months getting that pre-season and then having to overcome the back injury and then played so what year let's talk about what actual year was is yeah. 2017, yeah, 216
1: 2017
0: 2017 yeah, so 2016, you play the last Day
1: six games. It ended up being a development league grand final. with my last development game. Yep. We lost. We lost to Box Hill.
0: Uh huh. So and yeah. then go into 2017.
1: 2017, um, played yeah all the practice matches and then yeah virtually every game. But I think it was one I missed one against Coburg just to in the middle of the year they wanted to sort of keep me fresh. So I was still playing good footy and um, yeah, it probably worked well because my back half of the year ended up being relatively good so um, it was probably a good call. At the time I was like, oh, you know, you're like you just want to play as much footy as you can. I hadn't played a heap in the, in the years um, previous um, but yeah, looking back now it's probably a good decision.
0: 100%, 100%. So we look at the current journey at this point, when did it start becoming a bit of a realisation that you could be a chance. I mean, you're still working at this point, I assume. You're still doing your your five, sometimes six days of sparky work, yeah? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you start to string some good footy together at VFL level. Um, Justin Platt coaching you at the time?
1: Yeah, Justin Platt. Yeah, he's been massive in my footy. Uh, Still is now. He's my forwards coach now at Melbourne. Seems to be wherever I go he is Like last year. I moved to a wing for a little bit. He was the mids coach and then moved down forward at the end of the year and now obviously hopefully going to stay forward and he's the forwards coach, so it's funny how it all works out. But, yeah, he's been along with yourself and a couple of others, obviously family and stuff. But, yeah, they've been massive drivers in my footy and um, at yeah, how I've got to where I've got to, I guess.
0: That's ridiculous. I've done nothing. We just got you to there. We just we just drove you there, and you didn't talk. So I can't be thanked <laughs> for that. But what? <laughs> but I do want to I do want to bring Plappy up and, and segue into that because I remember talking to you at the time about the relationship that he had built with you from a coach player standpoint. But um, he knew how to get the best out of you, didn't he? Because he wasn't exactly kind. He was a hard hard coach to you, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and probably in of the question that we didn't really go into before he asked um it probably he always used to tell me like i think you've got something like especially going through the um injuries like he went through a lot of injuries in his um career as well so he'd always say to me like you've got something special like i think you can make a career out of it and you know i thought i'm in rehab um i've never played a vfl game like how how does he how does he know this like is he just sort of Pissing in my pocket, or you know, like oh, I just didn't know, and um, obviously because I'd never really done anything, so um, it wasn't until sort of I played the first few AFL games, and then you know he started telling me, you know, you've got a bit of um, interest, and I'm, I just sort of brushed it off, like, oh, and yeah, like I just thought because I was playing good, you know, um, it was just giving me a bit of a confidence booster, and then um, I remember getting a call um, from Plap- I think it was Plappy or maybe Georgie Morgan um, at the footy manager in my draft year. He goes, we need to have a meeting tonight, and I was like, well, I was the first thing I thought actually was, what have I done wrong here? <laughs> but, um, <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Anyway, he um he goes, if we sat down, at, I think I got there at about ten to six, like I was running late, and um, I messaged him, I said I'm just running late, and um, we got in there in the room, and he goes, um, we're gonna have to um, sort you out a manager. That uh, we've got a few uh, managers that have sent um, you know letters and stuff, and I was like, ooh, like I I rang mum and dad after it, and I'm like, I've got to potentially um, look at getting a manager. And it was probably then, so it was probably around five or six in in that year. Um, And that sort of started hitting that, you know, like, obviously there's no guarantees or anything, but I thought, you know, there might be a chance. Um, And then from then on, um, then you roll into, obviously I chose a manager, which is, which was good, um, good process, easy process. And then you start doing interviews with clubs. And I remember my first interview with the club was really daunting. Probably spoke to you a few times leading up to it just to try and um, do a few mock interviews or whatnot. But, um, yeah, once you started doing all that, then I, it sort of hit home that it was a genuine off, um, chance. But, yeah, never until, obviously, your name gets read out, you think that you're going to get drafted. But, um, yeah, I had my fingers crossed on draft night, no, that's for sure
0: hundred percent. It was, um, it went so fast. It went so fast. I probably, I need to pause what we're talking about because if, if anyone's listening, probably the five or six people that have bothered to tune in, <laughs> but there is background noise. So we're in isolation and I've tried to go to a quiet place. So I jumped in the car and I parked in the driveway that I thought was empty and a guy stared me down and I had to leave. And then a <laughs> and then a posty bike just tune pass. So we're doing the best with what we got in isolation. I'm sure this won't be the the one and only time we'll get you one. We'll get into a studio. How's that sound? But um, <laughs> so people are probably wondering what's going on. We've got the nature of Eltham and then yeah the the so called uh, quiet Hillsville, which has decided to be quite busy today. But I get going back to to what we're talking about. So. This has happened really, really fast. And I remember um, myself just going through the journey with you and trying to help you out and get advice from other people because it was moving so fast, it was way ahead of me. Um, And I remember talking to a a recruiter at the time from another club uh, who said, you probably need to do a couple of mock interviews with him and get him ready. And I was like, don't you think you should do that? (laughs) I've never done anything like that before. uh, I think due to being maybe a conflict of interest or whatever it was. He prepped me for that, and off we went, and, um, yeah, the Coldstream Brewery on, I think, a Tuesday mid-afternoon, There's no one in there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We weren't drinking, um, but I I think you were pretty nervous at the time, and I pretended to, like, not even know you, and looking back, how embarrassing, but these are the little things that, I mean, we were trying to do to prep you for what could be, and we still weren't too sure, you know, what was going to happen, and you were... You know, I was maybe hearing from you every five or six weeks and getting little updates and just watching and listening. But um, there, be, there became a period where I think it was a bit of a, it was a plateau. It was a five or six game period where nothing was happening. I think, you know, in general, the whole football industry sort of just sits and waits and watches to see how people are playing. In that time, you're going up against guys that are potentially at uni, um, older, so they've had a lot more time in the system, they understand how it works, how to treat their bodies and how to get through. Uh, in those really hard months, those winter months in Melbourne, you're still grinding away and working and all of a sudden, this hype and this excitement around potentially being drafted, which has been your dream, is getting closer. How are you staying grounded and how are you keeping your head on on straight with all this going on and still trying to you know, provide good output with your, your day job and get to Casey from Coldstream. How did all that go in those uh, those middle months of that season?
1: Yeah, obviously when you started talking to clubs and stuff, um, you sort of just wanted it to happen already. Like if it was going to happen, you wanted it to happen. If it wasn't going to happen, you didn't. You wanted that to happen as well, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, in those middle months it was probably just... Um, is probably just listening to people that mattered, I guess. Um, obviously, spoke a lot with you. Um, I spoke a lot with, um, obviously, Flappy. Flappy was like a second dad and still is to this day. He's like a second dad to me. Um, and if there any problems or anything I've got, um, you know, I'll, 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 um, I'll definitely call in on him. But, um, yeah, lis- listening to my parents, um, just anyone that uh, really mattered and who I'd listened to in the past, I'd probably tap into them um, and that sort of got me through, but in terms of, from a footy point of view, just doing everything I can, being the last bloke at the gym, um, even though it probably doesn't show right now that I've done a lot of gym work, <laughs> <'cause> I'm still <laughs> relatively skinny, but, um, yeah, no, nah, just probably the people that mattered, and just doing everything I could, um, even when I knew no one was watching, that's, that's when you, um, I guess, the fifth, you know in yourself, when you go out on game day, you've done more than the blokes standing next to you and um, that'll probably put you in the best stead going forward and it'll give me the best opportunity to potentially get drafted.
0: I want to touch on something you just mentioned then about trusting the people who were listening to the people that mattered. So at this stage, what are you, 18, 19, maybe? Yeah. So still still a baby in every sense of the world. Um, and I mean, to have those qualities and think like that at that age, that doesn't just happen. You don't just wake up and, and become that. Do you think growing up in Coldstream with um, parents that were supportive but also gave you a bit of free reign to go and live and make mistakes and, and get out there in the streets with other kids and learn about connecting with other people and then being in the workforce relatively young, and learning about you would have come across some different characters throughout your your um your trade, out on site. All these experiences that you you built up, and you mentioned that you were a shy kid. I guess taking it all in and, and seeing the world for what it was in that in that time. Do you think that prepared you better for you know dealing with that, that part of the season going into that draft year?
1: Yeah, I think everything that you touched on. Probably the main one I feel, and I'm not saying that. Everyone, which I which I said before, but when I left school and got into the workforce, you know, it, you're on you're not on your own, but you sort of are on your own. You you got to grow up really quickly. I was working away um, as a 16 year old down in Geelong, and I I wouldn't c- come home for the whole week. And as a 16, 17 year old kid that had pretty much stayed at home uh, most of his life, like hadn't been away from his parents much. And although you're 16, 17, it's still a pretty big thing. So. Um, whether it be cooking your own dinner, making your own lunch. Um, yeah, all those things just all add up and probably gave me a lot of life experience um, compared to the average 16-, 17-year-old kid, um, which, yeah, it's it's shaped me to what I am today, I think, as I said. But, um, yeah, definitely at all those points that you mentioned, um, growing up around Coldstream and being around the senior footy club and cricket club, and um, I, I tended to... Um, be friends with people that were a lot older than me. I'm not sure if that helped me as well, but like a lot of my mates um, stopped playing cricket when they were um, 15, 16, but I kept playing, moved into the seniors, and hung around with people that were, you know, high, mid to late 20s. And whether that helped me as well, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, definitely all those points that you said was um, all valid.
0: Mm. What are you doing in the background? There's a bit of
1: noise going on. Oh really? Yeah. Um,
0: Apart from the dogs barking in the cars hooning past me. <laughs> yeah, I
1: heard, I
0: heard the car hooning past you. Oh, God. Anyway, it's uh, this is what it's about. It's not There's no rules with the podcasting. Um, and we're getting really good content. I think it's, it's so relatable. The story's so relatable for especially young people, but even for coaches like myself to listen to, you know, what resonated with you and what really worked. Um, it's interesting. I, I'd like to sort of get your opinion on what would a kid do that wasn't in your situation? What about a kid that did finish high school, go through university uh, potentially, or, or, you know, not going to the workforce? And How do they get those life experiences that you have been exposed to? Can it be done, or is it just something that is different for every individual?
1: I think it's different for every individual. I mean, I, I, folks that finish, uh, or women that finish year 12 or to uni they, they're going to get stuff that i don't get i think it's just what works for you and at the time leaving school I, I, I didn't mind school but um obviously got the job opportunity and jumped at it and not that i thought i was going to fast develop my footy or my life experiences that was just what i wanted to do at the time and i thought it was a good job and um, it was probably what i was going to do anyway when i left school so um, i thought why not get into it now I could be qualified by 20 and um yeah like, what, what what, more could you want? But, um, yeah, I guess everyone's different. But, um, yeah, I think that's just personal opinion and what, what you think's going to work for yourself. And at that time, yeah, that was what worked for me.
0: No pressure from mum or dad either. You may, you were left to make your, your own decisions to a point, but they were always supportive and, you know, there was no peer pressure on you should do this and you should do that. Were you left to sort of find your way a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, they're, they're always going to be there to lean on to give you advice, but at the end of the day, if I wanted to leave school, um, they were happy for me to leave as long as it wasn't for, you know, I wasn't just going to go and sit at home or go and stack shelves at IJ or something like that. As much as I did that anyway when I was at school, um, they just wanted me to have a good full-time job that um, would get, leave me with a good future, and they thought that... Um, being a sparky was a good job, and so did I. And they knew that I wanted to do that because I'd done a bit of work experience in that field. So um, they thought, yeah, why not? And but ultimately, it was up to me. And yeah, did a bit of work experience over the school holidays in between year ten and year eleven, and then yeah, the rest the history. I um, took on the apprenticeship and started pretty much straight away. I didn't even have any Christmas holidays; I think I worked straight through Christmas and into the next year, and yeah, until I got drafted. I pretty much till the day before I got drafted. I
0: by the day of I got drafted actually I, I worked for a Sparky <laughs> that's, uh, that's awesome it's such a cool story for young people if they don't get drafted or they miss out and they think that the their world's caving in that they just probably need to pick themselves up potentially go into the workforce or go into that uni course you know male or female and I mean the, the women are still working day jobs in the current AFLW climate so I guess they're accustomed to it which makes it more incredible in what they're doing but for young men and, and young boys that go through and potentially don't get picked up. It's it's never been a better time to be drafted. I mean, as a mature age, there's so many examples now where 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was not even thought of, was it? I mean, you guys are, are in a great time to be forging careers in AFL footy, even if you do miss out. I mean, some In some cases, players are missing three, four drafts and still getting opportunities, which is great, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think a prime example is um, Ben Guevara that went through the traditional... Um Eastern Rangers and won the best and fairest, I think, or something like that. I think he was a year older than me. I might have been the same age as me and unfortunately didn't get drafted, but I think it took him seven or eight drafts and, yeah, finally um, got drafted last year and debuted um, just a couple of weeks ago in round one for the Doggies, which is, um, I don't know him personally, but um, it's a testament to his character and resilience to um, obviously keep coming back and um, not giving up on that dream.
0: 100%. 100%. 100%. There's so many guys like him. It's cool to watch. I think it's, you know, hopefully it grows and becomes a, you know, a real hub, VFL, Sanford Waffle, all those, even local football, you know, we shouldn't just push athletes to the side because of what standard they're playing. If if people think they're up to it, they should be getting opportunities, I believe. Um, I think leading into getting drafted now, let's talk about that. So, you're sitting there i think you're at the family home take us through you get home from work obviously you work that day um take us through it uh watching it who's there what happened did you have an idea did you have many clubs interested did you have any sort of you know backroom conversations like we're going to take you here or you know if you're still here at this time we're going to take you because you, sh- you hear so many stories like that uh, what was your experience leading up to that point
1: yeah so i worked. Worked on the Friday. Um, was pretty nervous all day. Actually, I didn't do a lot of work. <laughs> um, just walked around the job site really. Um, and then yeah, uh, come home. Mum, dad, my brother, his girlfriend, um, and my mate and uh, his his girlfriend as well. I didn't want to have too many people just in case you hear about those stories that if nothing happens and then yeah you look a bit silly. So I kept it pretty low key. Um, yeah we. I think it was raining, but we were in the pool after work. It was still hot, a bit humid. Um, yeah, and then watch started watching the draft, and then it got to about pick twenty, and and the power went out because there was a bit of a storm that come through. <laughs> so um, we started watching on the phone, and got to about pick twenty six, I think, and then the power come back on. So we turned it back on the on the TV outside on the deck, and we were all sitting out there. And um, I remember get um, I was of a fair chance to potentially go to one of the melbourne picks 29 or 31 i got a little bit of inside info um and if not potentially a couple of picks later um but yeah got to 29 and um one of my teammates now charlie spargo went so then i think carlton had pick 30 and then um pick 31 come around and yeah my name got read out um i think there's a video somewhere but my f- yeah, everyone went wild Mum and Dad pretty much crying, everyone cuddling. It was about a group hug of about eight to ten people. And then after that, everyone just sort of started filtering through the gates of my house, and Co- Mum and Dad's house in Coldstream. Um, yeah, obviously, everyone was on sort of standby to sort of come around if something did happen. But, um, yeah, so it ended up being a pretty good night. You come around for a little bit there, um, celebrate, and then, yeah, probably one of the best days of my life, to be honest. Yeah,
0: it was awesome. It was really cool. I had the kids with me, so I made sure I I did do that, so I didn't turn into a longer party. And it was starting to get a, <laughs> it was start, I think people were on standby in bushes with <laughs> with slabs and whatnot, because there was a fair few people doing their thing when I got there. But um, it was cool to watch and cool to see, because it was it was a journey that I mean, and you probably didn't realise it yourself, just being going to work and training. But um, and we sort of spoke a lot of about with family and friends surrounding your journey. And I think everyone just sort of got swept up in it and went along for the ride. And um, that's a testament to the, I guess, the Fritz family. They're so inclusive and you're like that yourself. And everyone became part of that journey and part of the story in a way. And uh, to be able to just come over and celebrate, I mean, there were people just walking in from all, all, all walks of life at all from years ago or weeks ago or hours ago. It didn't matter who it was, they were welcomed. And... It was a cool thing to see. So, who's the first person that reaches out? Melbourne Footy Club, coach, player. Who's the first phone call that you get?
1: Um, I think the first phone call I got was actually Goody, which was pretty cool.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I started getting all these random texts and calls, and um, I ended up. I, I think even you were telling me like you have to put your phone down for a bit. Like everyone's going to be calling you. Just you can reply to it tomorrow. But um. Yeah, the first phone call was Goody, just sort of congratulating me. Obviously, hadn't really had much to do with him at Casey. every now and then. He'd come, like, obviously, he'd come and watch for all the Melbourne boys, but it didn't have a heap to do with him. But to hear the excitement in his voice to, yeah, have me at the club and stuff was really cool. And then, yeah, um, I can't remember who the first message was, but, um, yeah, pretty much every single bloke at the footy club on the list, uh, staff and everyone included, messaged me. And, um, yeah, it felt really, I guess... Yeah, it's
0: felt unbelievable. So, when do you get into the footy club? Is it the following day, two days later? What's that look like for you?
1: Uh, So, drift draft on the Friday night. Yeah, started pre-season on the Monday morning at about 8am out at Amy Park. Gosh, Paddy.
0: So, welcome. Welcome to training. Yeah. (laughs) Into the hard work. That was good. And are are you straight into the hard work?
1: So if we do, say, um, three main sessions in pre-season, you might miss half of the middle one or something like that just for loads from a loads point of view as your body's get adapting to the um, to the loads of the AFL player, I guess, full-time. Um, because I had done a um, few pre-seasons at Casey, I probably did a little bit more than the other boys because they were only 18, 19. I was 20. Um, so I did a little bit more than them, but still got pulled out of the odds. Um, drill or running session at the end of it, um, just
0: to keep me fresh and ready to go for the start of the season, I guess. And I mean, everyone can cope in their own particular way, but I feel like the journey and the story so far, for you to go into that AFL pre-season, you had, you had some Ks on the clock in regards to a little bit more life experience to the other guys that were drafted around you. I think you mentioned um, Spargo. Was he in a mature age?
1: four of us in that draft year, actually. So, Oscar Baker, I think, was 19, Spargo, 18, and Harry Petty, um, he was 18 as well. So, were, I was definitely the oldest.
0: And do you reckon that held you in better stead going into that preseason?
1: I think, obviously, that they, all come out of high school. Um, I think Oscar did a year of state league footy. Yep. Um, so, I guess he would have had a... Um, expected a little bit... He would have had a little bit... Um, sorry, he would have had a little bit of... Um, more experienced than um, Charlie and Harry, but they'd, they'd played um, like TAT, whatever it is, in their um, region. I think Harry was SA, and Charlie's from Albury, so um, they've done all their rep footy and stuff. So it's not like they don't know what hard work is. They've got to what they've, they've got to where they've got to um, through hard work. So um, I guess the life experience would have helped me being able to back up a little bit more. But within the first couple of weeks, you sort of know what to expect, and um, you just go
0: along as normal I guess yeah so there's one thing in getting there but then once you're there it sort of becomes that next step doesn't it? it's like okay the rest is history we're turning over a new leaf and everyone starts from scratch you know you know from a draft sense I mean obviously you're going up against players that have been doing their 10th 11th 12th I think maybe Lewis had started at the club by then he's probably into his 13th preseason by the time you get there yeah he was his second year at the club yeah
1: he was going to his yeah 13th or 14th
0: So how does that go when you rock in day one and you've got guys like that? Do they embrace you or do they test you out a little bit? Do they want to see what you're about for the first few weeks and then they get around you or is it really inclusive from the start?
1: Nah, really inclusive from the start. Um, Obviously when you're out training and doing match play and stuff, it's real competitive and um, we're all trying to get the best out of each other. But, um, no, as soon as you walk in, everyone handshake, hug, you know, everything. It's... um, It's not what you think. When I was in my first couple of days, I was like, I was a bit um, not sure what to expect, but um, it couldn't have been easier to transition from into the club um, as a first-year player.
0: It's great to hear. I mean, um, I assume it'd be like that everywhere, but it's really cool to hear that is the case. So you go in to that pre-Christmas period. You get over that. I think there's a camp in Maroochydore. When did you start thinking... I could be a chance to play round one. Or did that even enter your mindset? Or was, was it a goal when you when you got drafted?
1: Well, obviously it's a goal to play as early and as quick as you can. Um, especially because I was a little bit older, I thought maybe I was a bit more of a chance. But until probably a few weeks out from um, round one, I, I never really thought I was a massive chance. Like I, I was doing everything I could and all the feedback from the coaches was all, all good. So I thought there's no reason why not. And then... Um, yeah, we started playing a few uh, JLT games and I played in them and um, did okay in them and then got good feedback from that. So I knew I was definitely going to be in the mix, um, but yeah, until uh, I think it was the Friday before a Sunday game, Goody came up to me at training um, and yeah, it broke the news to me and yeah, it was, I was instantly nervous and I'm not really a nervous person. I don't really get nervous for games now, but I'm um, obviously... You've just been told you're playing your first AFL game, um, against the cats probably going to be, you know, 50, 60,000 people. Um, it was a pretty surreal to think. And then, yeah, once I got there, I remember uh, the G on the Sunday, I walked out. Ne- I'd never been on the MCG, like apart from, um, on the boundary when you're doing MCG tour in in high school. Um, so yeah, I, I walked out, um, and yeah, it was an unbelievable feeling and then running out for your first game. Um, here in the crowd. I, I don't think I've played a, when I, when I first ran out, um, it hasn't been louder again, I don't think. I, I'm not sure if that was just because I was in such a daze because it was my first game, um, but it, it's never seemed louder again and we obviously played those um, couple of finals as well and was probably about on par with that and there was 90,000 people there.
0: That's amazing. How do you bring yourself back to earth? in that moment, because at the end of the day, you've got to run out and perform as an AFL football player, but you're running out on the ground um, and you're swept up in all this emotion, the crowd, proud, nervous, and everything like that. Um, I guess you'd have some pretty important coaches in and around that time leading into round one. Who had major influences on you before that round one game? Going into Melbourne Football Club, I assume that some or one or a couple of assistants really took you under their wing during that point
1: obviously the one that I've touched on is Plappy. He wasn't my line coach at the time. Um, my line coach was actually Max Rook. Um, so obviously them two were probably the major influences with obviously Goody on top of that, but he sort of oversees everyone. But yeah, definitely Max Rook, he was who he was the forwards coach at the time. And um, obviously Plappy just just being, just being there and um, someone to lean on with anything throughout the club in my first year just to, you know, see what he thought and um, obviously did a little bit of match review stuff with him as well even though um, he wasn't my forwards coach just to hear from him we sort of connect really well and um, he can um, explain things on deeper levels when you're when you're new to something I guess
0: how often would you be connecting with these coaches during the week even if it's about you know specific structure game plan or just that general chat about things outside footy with a coffee
1: most days, especially when I started getting into games, I probably became a little bit of a pest because I just wanted to do everything I could to put my name up for round one. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd be I'd be creeping around the, uh, the coach's desk, trying to get a little bit more um, stuff to review and stuff to work on to try and better my game. And, um, I think that helped me in good stead when it came to selection for round one.
0: So round one happens. It's Geelong, Melbourne. Take us through that. I think you might have had the first shot on goal and missed. Um, take us through starting on the ground and everything that goes on from there. How are you feeling at that point?
1: Yeah, I was relatively nervous um, running out, but then once we sort of got out onto the ground, um, did a little warm up and stuff, but I actually felt just like another game, which is as weird as it sounds. Um, once the ball bounces, you don't really hear a lot of the crowd because you're concentrating on what you're doing and that's still how it is today. So, um, no, it was, it was obviously a great thing. Yeah, I had the first shot on goal I missed that one from the boundary and then took a mark about two minutes later and yeah, ended up still kicking the first goal. I kicked the first point on the first goal, which was pretty cool. And then, yeah, didn't do a heap after that. Um, I think my defensive stuff was pretty good. Probably the best I've ever played in that whole game. I had about six tackles, I think. I haven't done that again. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think I was running on. For a bit there. <laughs> don't let don't let too many people know that uh, <laughs> you'll be
0: uh, you'll be hard pressed to do it again. I think um I think that season you might have missed one game and they rested you. I think it was
1: yeah.
0: Um, and I'm probably going to bring up a bit of a sore point, but there's a final that gets played uh in Perth. There'd already been I think two finals played that year with you guys. Did you beat I think it was a Geelong and Hall Geelong final? And Hall. Yeah. Yep, and you're playing those, um, and you do your job, I assume, but then that week leading into West Coast, A, what happens, and B, how do you get through that?
1: Yeah, so um, obviously I yeah, played the two against um, Geelong and Hawthorne, and then, um, yeah, I didn't do a heap wrong, but um, on the Thursday night, Goody and um, the backlog coach at the time, because I'd sort of been chuckled around a little bit, I played a little bit of wing, um, and then moved to the back line due to injuries. So um, we obviously, um, West Coast having Darling, uh, Barty at the time and Kennedy um, had three big tools and we sort of only had two um, key defenders. So um, unfortunately, um, yeah, I got the knock on the door from Goody on it uh, after selection at home. He come round to my house and um, said that I wouldn't be playing this week. We needed a taller defender in um, so Joel Smith come in for me, um, which was obviously at the time I was really disappointed. But it was the best thing for the team at the time, and if that's what the coaching staff thought, I was I was all for it. And um, I still had to travel, so it was still a chance to play. You know, nothing, um, you don't know what's going to happen between that time and the bounce of the ball. So I had to try and pretend that I was playing. Obviously, still pretty, I guess, heartbroken at the time. Um, not playing in a prelim final, like I, I thought. You know, what if we get through, and I'm potentially going to miss out on a grand final. So, um, but yeah, tried to just put the brave face on, and um, it was just another speed bump, I guess, in my in my journey. And um, yeah, went up to Perth. Unfortunately, we lost. Um, then I come back on the red eye and played in a BFL grand final. It was my first VFL game for that year, so it was a little bit weird. Um, But yeah, and and we lost that again. But yeah, just try to do my thing and um, help help the Casey boys as much as I could.
0: I mean, at the time, it would have been really difficult for you to go through. Obviously, the travel back on the red eye, and then preparing yourself for that VFL grand final. And as you just touched on, you hadn't played a VFL game for the whole year, so you essentially had to take someone's spot. What's the mindset like going into that game? Who's getting around you? Um, Who was coaching at the time? What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, Jade Rawlings was the Casey coach at that time. Um, He just sent me a few messages after the West Coast game, you know, like, time to switch on now. We've got a grand final tomorrow. Don't worry about what's happened in the past sort of thing. Um, We need you. All the boys are super keen to have you playing. And, um, yeah, we just want you to come back and, do what you do sort of thing so um, I played them half back and yeah we were actually looking pretty good there for a while but unfortunately they ran over the top of us in the second half but um, no all the, all the everyone um, that was there coach, coaching staff um, players that I hadn't even really played with before a few of them um, all got around me and made me feel welcome and um, obviously I'd come from Casey so I still knew a fair, fair chunk of them um, so it was good to go back and play with a few of the those boys that I play with before, like the Jack Hutchins and Jimmy Munros of the world, um, that have played BFL for a long time now, and um, they're building good careers. In in that sense,
0: yeah, it's awesome. I think you know it's a lesson for coaches in that um, in that time frame too, to not let the emotion get in the way, as harsh as that sounds, and just get to the point, which is you got to prepare for a grand final. Um, and there's no there's no grey; it's black or white, isn't it? And I think even with with Jade just reaching out and seeing those couple of texts, did it put you in a, a, a mindset of, all right, it's been a disappointing week, but I've just got to get out there and perform and play good footy?
1: Yeah, 100%. Um, obviously, it was disappointing to see the boys lose, and either way, I was going to try and do my best to obviously potentially put my hand up for a for an AFL Grand Final the next week or to win a Grand Final um, the next day. So... Um, That mindset didn't change even though the the boys lost, but um, it would have been good to get obviously a grand final win But unfortunately that wasn't the case, but um, yeah still the mum mindset didn't change from um, whether we lost or we won um, up in Perth
0: And then following on next the next season from a football club standpoint Disappointing due to you know a whole host of injuries throughout the season It just didn't seem like you guys could get that continuity as a playing group when you played in the prelim final year But on a personal note, you probably had, I guess, a breakout season for for those watching from afar. Um, And then now leading into this uh, unknown, the pandemic, you play round one. Um, For you personally, probably really frustrating because you want to back up what you produced last year. Um, But what are some of the things that you are doing at the moment to try and just keep yourself ticking along for when that moment comes and we don't know when it's going to come? But when we get the green light across the board, not just... Elite-level footy, but even down to grassroots. Uh, what are you doing at the moment to try and keep yourself focused and ready to go when we get that that green light?
1: Yeah, I was just trying to get busy and just ticking everything off that the club's asked of us and even, even more. Um, you, you don't, we obviously, it's relatively unknown at the moment when we're going to be back playing, but um, I guess I'm trying to prepare for whenever the earliest is going to be. So at the moment, it's probably... Um, I know early June, so if I'm preparing for it to be early June. Um, I've got to have that mindset. Um, so ticking off all my footy stuff, ticking off all my weights, all my running. Um, yeah, pesting my brother to keep kicking the footy into me hands. Um, just trying to do everything I'd be doing if I was at the club and more. Um, so when that time comes, that um, hopefully I've I've done the work and when I yeah obviously which I touched on at the start when I'm um, when I line up against whoever I line up on. Um, come round two, uh, whenever that may be, that I know I've um, done more than him and um, it should hold me in good stead to hopefully uh, do my bit for the team and hopefully we can get back on the winner's list and um, start forging towards a good year.
0: What about different different things? I mean, this current situation has thrown up. You know, a host of opinions on what people are doing uh, at home and, you know, some are treating it like a reset button if they haven't been, you know, affected by the virus. I mean, some people aren't so lucky. They've lost loved ones and and people are really sick and there's some really, really sad stories out there. For for the others that are are not affected, they're treating it like a reset and they're looking to educate themselves on different things and do different things and acquire different skill sets. Have you gone down that road uh, during this time? Is that something that you're looking uh, toward?
1: Obviously, um, I've still got an, a, an exam to do for my um, A grade, actually, so I'll, I'm going to um, test my brother again because he's nearly up to uh, doing that exam as well. So I'm going to do a bit of study with him and try and tick that off, and then I'll be a qualified electrician, which will be handy. Um, other than that, I've never really done a puzzle before. I've started a puzzle with my girlfriend, Nat, So. <laughs> um, What's the puzzle? It's, it's a 500-piece puzzle. The beachfront front of Gold Coast, so we found it in Kmart. <laughs> um, yeah, we're sort of probably 50 pieces in. She's probably done 48, of them and I've done two. <laughs> um, so <laughs> she's definitely holding the fort there. Uh, but other than that, um, yeah, teaching the dogs a few new tricks, I suppose. Um, keeping the lawns mowed, but yeah, just trying to keep busy and... Um, obviously trying to do as much as I can just from home to try and get this virus fast-tracked away and um, so we can get back playing
0: footy. 100%, 100%, it's a, it's a good message. I think um, this has been a fantastic chat. My thing is this podcast, I've been sitting on it for a while now. Um, I'm a nobody who's gonna try and talk to people that are somebody and get their, get their stories. But I think the, the best part of it is it's so relatable and that's what I wanna bring. I wanna bring relatable stories, Back to, to people that are aspiring to be better in their chosen fields. Whether it's sport or business, I don't think it really matters. Um, I think relatable stories are so great to listen to and uh, they're so cool to learn from. And I think there's so many learnings to take out of your story, mate. So I'm really appreciative of your time. Uh, I hope you guys are out there sooner than later giving the fans um, something to watch and some entertainment because I think that's what we need. We need footy and, and all sports and just getting back to normal living uh, back in our lives. But... Um, I really appreciate the time and, and hope you stay safe, my friend.
1: Yeah, so easy you know, thanks for having me on and uh, good luck with your uh, next guest. Sweet,
0: man. Thank you.